We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So, whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code blue wire that's all one word blue wire for your 50 percent sign up bonus bet online your online sports book experts we're looking at the top fantasy quarterback performances of the last 20 years on roto viz radio what's up roto Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Untuck It. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not much. Just uh, you know, uh, licking my wounds from some uh, XFL betting that didn't work out, and uh, <laughs> some some college. I mean, XFL hasn't been horrible, but you know, I. Not great there, just um, a little below average. And then I started getting into some college basketball betting, and that really uh, has not gone well. This uh, this we're recording this on Sunday, uh, yep. and Sunday uh, hasn't been good to me. Yeah, well, I think that can tend to happen. Um, my college basketball betting has never been like a, a great place for me, so I don't really do much of it anymore. But in terms of 
other than just following from a betting perspective, do you actively watch the games or have a vested interest in any of the teams just from like a fan's perspective? Or is it purely betting for you? Oh, it's purely betting. And I really uh, don't know much about college basketball, which I like openly admit, and which is like, so then why are you betting it? Uh, one, because I, I do want to try to get into it a little bit and I'm not like betting much on it. Uh, but then, you know, too, like I've been using uh, some of the tools we have at Action Network and uh, it's gone well uh, up to this point. Uh, but Sunday was not good. So, uh, yeah, but just, you know, getting into it because uh, the tournament is coming up and I want to sort of expand the uh, the number of sports that I uh, at least have some awareness of. I think that makes sense um, with college in mind. Before we get into the topic for this uh, episode here, are there any major revelations related to any of the prospects that we may have talked about uh, in the last couple of weeks that have kind of popped into the forefront of your mind? Uh, I assume you're talking about college football prospects, Correct. not, not, yes. not college basketball. <laughs> um, no, I mean, not really. We had the, the sort of combine review uh, episodes last yep. weekend. You know, everyone could uh, go check that out. But uh, I mean, I have a lot of the same opinions. Um, I've noticed that uh, in some post combine uh, like dynasty mock drafts for rookies, um, Chase Claypool still isn't going as high as I think he should. So he's uh, he's someone I'm still, I, I think, uh, higher on than most people. Right. And, and a reminder, Chase Claypool is a player who posted a ridiculous uh, freak score. Very quick player. Yeah. Vincent Jackson is basically like who he is from a physical uh, standpoint and uh, played at Notre Dame, was a four-star recruit, didn't break out till his final season, but uh, I think still had a pretty good final season breakout. And I'm not really like worried about the fact that it's a later breakout age. Fair enough. And um, without talking too much about the prospects, because I was, uh, I mean, it's fine, whatever. Um, I, I think too, with the Notre Dame pedigree, like you said, four-star Given the freak score and the size, like I think there's reason to view a fair amount of upside in there. Like I can understand not climbing too far in um, some rankings, but at the same time, there's other players who maybe broke out a little bit earlier, but I just don't feel like there's as much potential for. So a guy like Claypool to me is a little bit more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving along. Um, what I wanted to do in this episode was try to bring up some topic that you're probably not focused too much on elsewhere and we're going to be doing it this week and next week and that's looking back at some of the absolute best performances in each positional group from the last 20 seasons trying to kind of ground ourselves in where some of the players from 2019 finished um, we're going to start with quarterback now we all know Lamar Jackson finds himself in there but we'll see that there's three other players you might be surprised to see how high they finished uh, Matt I'm going to give you a real softball question here. Do you know who, which quarterback had the best season of the last 20 years from a uh, fantasy perspective and arguably real perspective as well? Uh, from the last 20 years, yeah. um, I would say, I mean, I like, I want to say it's Patrick Mahomes from 2018, but I don't think he got to like the requisite number of touchdowns he would need. So I'd say Peyton Manning in 2013. Yes, that is correct. So Peyton Manning in 2013 through 660 passes, did I say that correctly? Yes, 660 passes, completed 68% for 5,469 yards and 55 touchdowns. Uh, also added one rushing touchdown. That is four, uh, 476 
fantasy points against Mahomes, 472 from 2018. So Manning still does hold on to that title. Behind those two passers, we see the 2019 Lamar Jackson performance at 451, which we've talked about. Do you want to take well, a step? Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, in one, like, in, we should be fair, I think, to uh, Lamar Jackson because I don't think he played in week 17, right? Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Yep. So I think he played one fewer game on like a points per game basis. I think he actually maybe had the best season. Yeah, that's that's surely possible. So I'm looking at these numbers that I pulled for this episode um, just in terms of raw numbers because I wanted to be able to look at some things such as touchdowns from the players that fell into the top 100 quarterback finishers from the last 20 seasons. Um so there's obviously that caveat to keep in mind. Now, I think that one thing people might be interested to know is of passers going back to the year 2000, which players have found their most or their highest number of seasons. Let me say this differently. Which passers have recorded the highest number of top 100 finishes? Do you care to venture a guess, Matt? There's two players that are tied. Yeah, since 2000. Um, okay, I would say Drew Brees would yep. be likely to be one of them. Um, and then uh, since 2000, what was the year 2001? Uh, we'll actually go back to 2000. So it technically... Okay, go back to yeah, 2000. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'd probably put Peyton Manning in there. So it's actually Aaron Rodgers at nine, Drew mm. Brees at nine, Manning at seven, Tom Brady at seven, followed by Cam Stafford and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, uh, all with yeah, five. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm angry at myself because I was thinking Aaron Rodgers, but then I was like, no, he didn't start until, you know, like, was it 2007, 2008, something right, like that? Right. So I was like, yeah, no, okay. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes so, sense. yeah, that definitely, that definitely does. Now, another interesting thing that I'm looking at here is if you just look at the number of quarterbacks that are in the top 100 going back to 2000 from each season, you see like a huge spike right around that 2009 timeframe uh, where we get up to normally having more than six passers per season in there. Some as high as 13 in 2018. So we had a huge season in 2018 from quarterbacks, which we talked a lot about, but I'm actually going to get to some names from 2019 that might make us realize 2019 actually was a, a historically good season for quarterbacks as well. Um, yeah, actually, sorry, one second. I, yep. I just want to say anything that I feel like, um, you know, you're like doing, if you do historical analysis to kind of try to place um, like current performance in a historical context or to get a sense of like, okay, this guy had X fantasy points this year historically what can i expect from him in this next year based on what comparable players have done um i think you have to do the cutoff at like 2010 or 2011 i'd say 2011 because like everything that came before that is not not as relevant you know like the best performances like there's i'd say like probably a clear line of demarcation okay so like i'm sorting through some things now yep and all of the top performances have come in the past eight years, you know, like, or not, let me rephrase that. The years that have the most top 100 performances are all the eight most recent years. Right. You know, there's like a, a clear line from like 2011 and on in like 2010, you know, 
and everything before that. You know, just in terms of like when the league really kind of like exploded into a a high scoring passing driven league. Yeah, completely agree. And in fact, the only names that you really see falling in there outside of that are players that like Dante Culpepper, who did manage to have some seasons. Right. Um, you know, with like seven rushing touchdowns. You have a Manning 2004 season with 49 touchdowns. But by and large, what we're seeing is that there are trends in a lot of these numbers, as you would expect in passing in passing touchdowns, in passing yards that have really elevated the play of the position as a whole. Uh, and to get to Matt's point, when I'm building a lot of the projections this summer that will be backward looking to project the future, I generally don't go back more than five or six seasons because I fear sometimes that there's underlying trends that you can't see, but are somewhere like present in the numbers that you're working with. And I think um, quarterback's a position where it's probably been most apparent over the last, you know, eight, nine years that we've definitely started to see a bit of a shift. Yeah. And, And it's why Aaron Rodgers, even though he didn't start until 2008, can be the guy who's had the most or tied for the most uh, top 100 performances since 2000 because the league in general has just shifted towards the pass over the past 10 years. So he's like still right in the wheelhouse of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Then after um, Lamar, you have a Drew Brees 2011, Tom Brady 2007 with the 50 passing touchdowns, Uh, 2011 Rodgers 45 passing touchdowns, Cam in... 2015 ranked seventh had a season with 435 fantasy points thanks to 636 rushing yards 10 rushing touchdowns uh it's interesting that um that season he was able to beat his 2011 uh where he rushed for 14 but he only threw 21 passing touchdowns that season um any names on here that are really surprising matt as i look down i don't think they're really are you have matt ryan his 2016 season coming in at 16 he threw 38 passing touchdowns uh didn't get to 5,000 yards 4,944 yards but essentially this list it's like all cam breeze manning some andrew luck aaron Rodgers, tom brady a little bit of matthew stafford and we do see ben roethlisberger get into the mix We're going to take a quick break for uh, a message from one of our sponsors, but then I want to bring up a couple of players that are still actively at the top of those quarterback leaderboards that I want to talk about. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked, no matter your size or shape, Their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untucket for yourself. Visit untucket.com and use the code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the US. That's untucket.com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. So as I mentioned uh, before, a quick little break there. There have been a number of players, as you would expect, 2018, with um, having 13 passers finishing in this top 100. 
that are still notable names, relevant fantasy names to pay attention to. But 2019 actually put three passers in addition to Lamar in the top 37 that I feel these players are worth mentioning. Now, Matt, I had told you who they were ahead of the show. Would you have guessed that these players would have finished that high, though? Uh, to be honest, I don't even remember who those players are. <laughs> um, but I, actually, I I want to take this in a slightly different direction. Sure. Because uh, you mentioned before we went to break, you mentioned uh, Cam Newton seasons. You mentioned Matt Ryan. One thing that's interesting, so Cam Newton has two seasons in the top 12, uh, obviously his 2015 uh, MVP campaign, his 2011 rookie campaign in which he had those 14 rushing touchdowns and, you know, kind of, I think, redefined a little bit of what could happen at the quarterback position sure. with uh, 700 rushing yards. And I think it's sort of like, um, I don't want to be like a sacrilegious at all, but sort of like the uh, John the Baptist to the Jesus that is Lamar Jackson in terms of like what like what could be done at the quarterback position because like no one would have anticipated that Lamar Jackson based on his rushing production primarily could do what he did in 2019 but you know like if you look at what Cam Newton did and then you think okay um what if we had a Cam Newton like not like he's a direct Cam Newton like analog because he's just a different type of athlete. But like, what if you had someone who is potentially even like a better runner than Cam Newton? And then what if you put that person in an offense that was actually like built for him? Could that guy get over a thousand rushing yards, you know, based on the fact that Newton as a rookie had 700 rushing yards, Like, yeah, that could probably happen. Um, and you look at Matt Ryan, his 2016 MVP season was like now that's just number 16 on the list yeah that's not even as high as his 2018 season um you know like you can just sort of see the fact that like what ryan did in 2016 to win the mvp and what at the time felt like an outlier season like how like the the passing in the league has shifted so much and the quarterback play has improved over the past couple of seasons to where like it's not even all that like all that amazing of a campaign anymore. Yeah, well, here's here's two things to highlight. One is Deshaun Watson's 2018 comes in at 31, basically all time, right? Because we know that the most impressive performances have been of late. And I feel like it's never even mentioned really how impressive of a season that was. And some of it has to do with you had Ben Roethlisberger going in at 23 in 2018. Don't even really hear that talked about. Like you said, the other Matt Ryan performance. And then, of course, that was all trumped by the Patrick Mahomes performance. But perhaps even more perplexing than that, the most amazing thing in looking and all that fits on my screen right now are the top 37. The fact that I see Blake Bortles at 35 with 370 points in 2015 <laughs> like what is going wow. on yeah that's that is uh kind of unfathomable i mean it, al but although like he did have a massive season that year uh you know in part because of all the touchdowns and the fact that they were just throwing a lot in garbage time yeah it's absolutely amazing also only completed 58 percent of his passes that season uh the only other quarterback to go sub 60 on this list is cam who of course overcomes that with his rushing but very interesting anyways though let let's mention these these names from 2019 because I feel like it's worth mentioning that there were some quarterbacks that had these tremendous performances in a historical context that 
I don't think people appreciate. So the first name that we need to mention that came in behind Lamar in 2019 is Dak Prescott, 27th best performance going back to 2000 through 596 times, complete 65%, 4,900 yards, 30 passing touchdowns, three rushing yard, or excuse me, three rushing touchdowns in the contract negotiation with Dallas. Should there be more talk about Dak? I know we don't really care about quarterbacks, but I feel like he's still a fantasy player that is not getting his due. Yeah, I mean, I think there's even a bigger question with Dak. So assuming he stays with the Cowboys, which I think is a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. Um, like, I think the Cowboys are... I don't know. Like, I want to say that they're undervalued entering this season, kind of like from a futures market perspective of, you know, like what people think the Cowboys might do this upcoming year. You know, they were they were better than their record last year based on the number of points that they scored and the number of points they allowed. Um, They're going to have the same offensive coordinator. You know, they lost a lot of games, I think, just through like the sheer, you know, quote unquote, will, will, will of uh, of Jason Garrett. Um, and so the fact that he's not there, hopefully Mike McCarthy could be more of a, uh, I don't know, like analytics, like driven or like analytics informed decision maker. That sounds tenuous. I mean, but at least like he, you know, did the tour of like, Hey, I visited PFF and you know, like he spent like the off season, at least trying to learn how not to make some of the mistakes he made in green Bay. Um, so I, I don't know, even if he's just league average, I think that's better than Jason Garrett. So I don't know, but like, I'm interested in the Cowboys. I'm interested in Dak. Um, I wouldn't have been able to guess that, you know, from like a raw points, like volume points perspective. Um, he was the quarterback to last year in fantasy, but yeah, he had a really good season. And the thing is, it didn't feel like he was doing anything that was all that outliery, you know? Right. Like, uh, you know, so I don't know. I'm still, I'm still very interested in Dak and the Cowboys. Yeah, so I think that Dak, as he was heading into 2019, is a name to really keep in your mind while you're drafting because you got him at a fairly low price last year, and I don't think that things are going to correct to where they should be. Now, on a points-per-game basis, maybe he's not a top-three passer, but are we really looking for that at the point in draft where we're going to take our quarterback? Probably not, and... um it's also nice that you have a little bit of a floor from some of that rushing production. I, Like you said, I mean, I agree with a lot of it. I think that we could be looking at a Cowboys team that is a little bit better heading into next season. Now, we did highlight that Russell Wilson has had a number of these top 100 finishes. Finishes 33 overall in raw points, 31 passing touchdowns, 4,111 passing yards 342 on the ground three rushing touchdowns is it that russell wilson has never really had that one season where he put it all together that he started to lack some of the excitement is it kind of his off-field persona what is it i feel like people are less excited about russell wilson now than they were go back maybe three four years ago well i don't think he's actually like even if he's improved as a player he's not really doing anything exceptionally better than he used to. And so like, I think the rest of the league has kind of caught up with him Mm -hmm. or like with his production, you know, like he basically did last year, something pretty similar to what he did in 2017. 
um, you know, there's not anything that's like really all that mind blowing about it. And it's not all that different than what he did in 2014. So like, it's like, oh, great. He's been highly efficient for the past half decade. Like, congratulations. But he's not really doing anything differently. So even when he's like his normal top tier efficient self, it doesn't seem to stand out. Okay, yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. And then so Wilson did finish um, six in PPR per game in 2019. Um, Do you think that um, we still see him going as like a top five quarterback in drafts this season? Or do you think that there's a possibility he maybe falls down a little bit? Uh, I mean, going anywhere from like number four to number eight, I think is like kind of the right wheelhouse. Like, I think that is where he, he would go. And like, I, you know, whatever, like in a vacuum, I think that's probably fine. I'm not going to want to draft like anyone that high or him in particular. So I would obviously be waiting. Right. Right. Okay. Now, here's here's the thing, actually. Okay. Russell Wilson is the exact type of quarterback you should not draft. I'll just, I'll say that. And it's not like there's anything wrong with him. But, like, you should draft someone like Lamar Jackson. And, like, that sounds really obvious now. But, like, what I don't mean is that you should be looking for the exact, like, next Lamar Jackson. But you should be drafting someone who could give you something that you might not think of. We know what Russell Wilson is going to do next year. Like, within, you know, a fairly narrow range of outcomes. Even, like, if he does something that's, like, uber Russ, you still know what that's going to look like. You know, but like if Kyler Murray goes off, you really don't have an idea of what that looks like. Like that could be something that is approaching Lamar Jackson territory. So, you know, Russell Wilson, he probably has a really good chance of finishing in that quarterback four to quarterback eight window. But, you know, like what's the point? Like why draft him where you're going to have to draft him and why draft someone who has that as his likely range of outcomes? Like shoot higher. (laughs) Uh, I was waiting till the name Kyler Murray got mentioned. It only took about, uh, since we started recording, about 25 minutes, 47 seconds. On the actual show, it will be a little bit less. Um, but no, I mean, your point really is well taken. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So the pushback that you could potentially get from people is, all right, Lamar Jackson is a pretty unique scenario. Other players... How are we going to have a sense of that? It was Patrick Mahomes the year before yes, that. Yes, exactly. Which I think oh, there was all, so many guys at Rotoviz were all over that. Uh, but are are those two players, I guess, to keep playing devil's advocate here, are those two... It was Dak of, Prescott a couple of years before that. Like, there's always going to be someone who gives... And Deshaun Watson, the, you know, the year before uh, Mahomes. You know, like, there's always going to be uh, a young passing talent that gives you the ability to have like an outsized season like just in general and then uh especially when you consider the adp that that guy has like there's no value in going for russ sure so a natural question that comes out of the names that we just listed is rushing production now a vital aspect? Not to say that it hasn't been in the past, but we have seen seasons from some of these more pure pocket passers like a Manning, like a Brady, where they've put up so many touchdowns that it's elevated them. But I think that what we might be getting at is with these players that are going to come out and really 
bust things open, outplay general expectations. Do you think that these passers need to be able to uh, produce ample rushing production? Uh, I mean, I think it helps if they have a little bit of a floor, but I don't think they need to be, you know, like all time great rushers. You know, like Mahomes has a rushing floor, but he's the number two guy all time because he had 5,000 passing yards and 50 passing touchdowns. You know, like there's, there are still guys who have that within their, you know, like high end range of, uh, range of outcomes. Like Drew Brees has, you know, multiple 5,000 passing yards. Um, you can, you know, if you find someone like that, it kind of doesn't matter if he doesn't do much on the ground. It obviously helps to have that floor. And, um, yeah, I mean, just even think of like Michael Vick who never really had all that great of a season. And in 2010, like he's still, you know, a top 60 guy. Yeah. Um, even though the league has like moved past him at some point, um, you, you know, the, the rushing helps, but it's not necessary. Yeah, well, let me reframe that a little bit. Do you think that it helps in identifying who these players might be? Uh, no, I mean, maybe maybe it does. I think the most important thing is kind of seeing, like, the path to getting there. You know, like, for Mahomes, you could see the path. You know, like, okay, yeah. he's with Andy Reid. He has a good receiving unit. Um, For Lamar Jackson, you could see the path. Like, okay, he has this high rushing floor. He's in an offense that is being built around him. Like you, you kind of need to see the path to getting that high upside. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Um, one name that I did want, did we talk about Jameis Winston yet? No. So <laughs> Jameis Winston's 2019 comes in at number 37, which is amazing because this is essentially a player who at just about every opportunity turned over the ball. Um, his future with his team has been in question nearly the entire time he's been passing for them, but he keeps putting up fantasy points in a very ugly fashion. 33 touchdowns, uh, over 5,100 yards. It helps when you have two of the most talented wide receivers in the league. Only added one rushing touchdown, gets to 366 on the season. Obviously, things are a little bit different if we look at points per game, but nonetheless, we have another recent passer compiling a great deal of points in a seemingly pedestrian season. Okay. And I think someone like Jameis Winston is also like a really great example <laughs> because if not, and sorry for that cough, by the way, uh, if not for what Lamar Jackson did last year, people would maybe be talking like the fantasy perspective a little bit more about Jameis Winston because yep. he was available late in drafts. He passed for 5,000 yards, which I don't want to say like you could see that coming because like you can't project a 5,000 yard season, but you could you could project like, hey, he has these two really good wide receivers. Um, He has, I mean, at the time you would have said uh, a good receiving tight end. You would have thrown that in there Uh, and you would have said and he has Bruce Arians as his coach who's just going to let him like chunk the ball down the field. And that's what we saw, you know, Uh, and that. You know, like Jameis Winston was a top, you know, four, top five fantasy quarterback uh, while missing Mike Evans for three games and Chris Godwin for two games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of crazy. And I think it also speaks to the fact that. um, I kind of feel like there's maybe 10, 12 other guys that could easily put up. Jameis Winston like numbers next season who you can get on the cheap 
Yeah, like that's the point. Like, why would you have drafted Russell Wilson last year when you could have just waited and gotten Jameis Winston? And they finished with like very similar point totals. Yeah, so it, I mean, it's a really compelling argument. Now, I think some of it depends on the player because what about if we talk about Deshaun Watson, who's 2019 is the 38th best going all the way back to 2000, didn't get to 4,000 yards, had 26 passing touchdowns, of course, seven scores on the ground, which helped him. Is Watson kind of in a different category? Are we still feeling that there's the potential for him to put together this, you know, otherworldly type of season that we may have thought was a possibility when we started 2019? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a possibility. As the, the question is, like, is he going to be drafted in, like, the top four, top five at the position? Like, I think that's really likely. Me too. Um, so I don't think there's really, like, the value there, you know, because he's... His 2018 season was is number 31 all time. Uh, his 2019 season, as you said, is number 38, and that's not even taking into account that he was awesome as a rookie and a partial 2017 season. Um, you know, like he's clearly, I think, a top three, top four fantasy quarterback. I don't like. I think he has a good chance of returning value there. Or let me rephrase. I think he has a good chance of hitting his ADP, but I don't think he like returns the value that you want out of your quarterback yeah I think unfortunately Watson's going to fall into this group of players for me that I'm really going to want to own but for the foreseeable future it's going to be hard to really have any teams in which I really care about or where I'm trying to draft very smartly where he's going to be on the team maybe just for fun I'll grab him on a best ball team or two but I think people know that Watson is one of the best fantasy quarterbacks and that's going to be reflected in, in his ADP and, you know, we've seen it time and again, you're always going to be in leagues where somebody just goes a little bit too early and it raises up the ADP of quarterbacks like Watson. Yeah, like he he won't be in any of my leagues. I just, you know, projecting that I'm just not going to want to pay what he's going to need. Yes. Um. The final name. Did we mention Jeff Garcia yet? No. <laughs> so since I did, I did kind of frame this episode in a historical perspective. The, the funnest finding, um, I think, of players that are not very recent is Jeff Garcia coming in with the 30th best performance in 2000, uh, completed 63% of passes, threw for just 4,277 yards, 31 touchdowns, but added four scores and 415 yards on the ground. It's possible we have people listening that may not even be familiar with who Jeff Garcia is. I mean, I think that's totally fine if they don't know who <laughs> Jeff Garcia is. There's not like a reason why anyone would need to know about him. Yeah. So Jeff Garcia was a uh, 49ers passer in that era in San Francisco where it was T.O. I think it was Jerry Rice around. Yeah. For any late of that. late, late, uh, Jerry late Rice. career Jerry Rice. Yeah. It was an odd time for San Francisco. They did play in a couple of epic uh, playoff games with Green Bay. Yeah, I think um, 2000 was actually Rice's last year in San Francisco. Okay, yeah, which would make sense. So he was post-Steve Young. He actually was a pretty like good option for them, I think. He just happened to come after two incredible players. Yeah, he was like perpetually undervalued. Um, I think people just kind of didn't buy him as a real thing, in part because um, he didn't like break into the league until he was 29. You know, so like yep. he's having, you know, Pro Bowl seasons with the 49ers, but uh, 
you know, he's 30 years old and he's small and, you know, people like question his toughness and stuff like just people were really pessimistic about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up um, our look at quarterbacks. We will be back later in the week talking about running backs. As always, you can reach us at Rotoviz. Well, actually, I guess you don't put an at before an email address. So you can reach us at. Okay, yeah, I'm really confusing myself there. For anybody listening that's still listening, I have been extremely ill for the last five days. I actually lost 13 pounds of water weight on uh, last Thursday. Wow. So I am severe. Yeah, like that. And that's not an exaggeration. That's not that is not a joke. I actually was worried for a little bit that I may have had the uh, the big C virus, man. It was bad. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's referred to it <laughs> as that yet, but I, I thought I might have coronavirus for a little bit. I was pretty worried and I never get worried about anything medical, especially coming from a family where I'm the only non person in the medical field. There's normally a very relaxed state um, about, you know, like any you know, thing that uh, people might in the general public be worried about. But I actually was I was feeling at this time. Yeah, my wife and I have actually canceled the trip because of the coronavirus. So it's uh, it, oh, it's wow. hitting us. It's uh, it's hitting us, even though uh, as far as I know, neither one of us actually has it yet. Um, Where was this trip to? Was it like outside uh, of the uh, country? Yeah, it was outside of the country. OK, well, I mean, I think that that can make some more. Oh, I mean, honestly, who really knows at this point? But. At this point, yeah, I don't know if it really even matters, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was you know for for her for work, and I was just gonna tag along. Yeah. Um, but it was like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's best not to go. Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right. Well, on that strong note, uh, you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at Matt F the Oracle. Thanks to Bet Online and Untuck It for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember. It's not a fantasy if you believe it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.